to another edition of the morning after here on Fan Run Radio. I'm Davis Rangi, alongside me, Jake Miller, presented today by Dick's House Sport. And Jake, lots happened since we last talked. The Nico era began. We won our bowl game, thirty-five to nothing against Iowa. Um, the goat, Nick Saban, retired, and his replacement has been announced. Uh, Pete Carroll retired. Bill Belichick basically retired. Um, and yesterday, well, actually, I've had a few basketball games, but most recently we won yesterday against Georgia. Um, coming back yesterday in the last, I don't know, five minutes or so, we finally played up to par what I thought we should, should have played. But, you know, all that matters yesterday, you get the win, 85 to 79. Um, it's a little nice bounce back win from kind of, I would say, an ugly, ugly performance in Starkville the other night. Um, can't say enough about Dalton Connect. I mean, that guy, he's a bona fide first rounder, superstar. He ends with 36 points, 12 for 20 from the field, five for eight from three, uh, with four points and three assists. And he's it, man. I mean, him and Ziegler are your dogs on this team. And something interesting I wanted to note, Ziegler in the last three games has played 112 out of the 120 minutes. That just can't be. I know uh, we've had this discussion before, but you've got to find a way to give him some minutes off the like, get him some minutes on the bench. Because if you're going to be playing him 99% of the time during these games, he's not going to be fresh come March. Something, especially for someone coming off an ACL injury, um, you, you would think that they would have some sort of plan by now to spell them some minutes, but and I know at one point in the first half when we kind of extended the lead, we had we threw Dillion in for him for about three minutes, and we kind of kept the lead, and he took him right back out and put Ziegler back in. So I I think you just have to get Dillion more minutes, or you just do what you did yesterday and just let Connect be the point guard basically, just let him bring it up. But I think you can't do that the whole game. So you're going to have to find some sort of way to relieve his pressure. Um, I mean, yesterday was just kind of up and down game. Georgia just shot lights out from three at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second. And we lost the lead there. We had some breakdowns defensively, just giving them wide open threes. And, you know, Jake, I feel like this is a broken record, but the biggest weaknesses of our, of our team are our scoring droughts and – we're soft inside. Since Grant and Admiral, we have not really had – I guess you could point to Kyle Alexander. He was a solid – he was kind of the perfect five-man for that team because he wasn't – he knew his role. He wasn't scoring. He got rebounds. He was a rim protector. And since then, we really haven't had anybody like that. Um, a, I like Adu. I think he's a good guy, but he is kind of soft. And he's not one of those bruisers down low. Every big man that we've played, most recently Tolu Smith, has dominated him. You can go to Hunter Dickinson, Zach Eady, Tolu Smith, uh, Armando Baycott. All these guys have just absolutely roasted him, and we've lost all those games. So we're going to have to find something to deal with that. I know Awaka plays hard, but he's just not big enough, or tall enough, I should say, to kind of disrupt anybody like we saw when uh, Adu fouled out the other night. So... Those are really our main weaknesses, and we're going to have to find something to kind of, I don't know, get a, kind of a glue on those because if not come March, the same is- issues are going to come up and we're going to be here about two months from now complaining about Rick Barnes again. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's going to be. And, you know, especially when you look at our big man situation, if you could somehow combine Jonas Adu with his height and then combine him with Tobey Awaka with his size and just physical ability, you'd have the perfect big man. But thing is, it's like you have one side of the, you know, one side of the spectrum on one side, and then you have the other on the completely opposite side, and it's like you can't combine those two. You got one that's very tall, but he's not got the body, and he's not got you know the toughness that Tobey Awaka has. But then Tobey Awaka does not have the height that's like Jonas A. Do so. I mean, he's going to get outmatched that way. And realistically, dude, I don't think that Tobey Awaka he's a true five. I don't think he is. I don't think he's a true five. He fits more that old school power forward, you know, kind of like a Charles Oakley, a Charles Barkley, you know, somebody like that more so than trying to be, you know, a center because right now the way I look at it, we have 
you know, tough games coming up on the schedule uh, here in a couple weeks, especially now that we're in conference play. I mean, every game is a tough game. I mean, we saw what happened, you know, down at Mississippi State the other night, as well as, you know, what happened yesterday down at the Stegman Coliseum. And Stegman Coliseum, man, that's a place that Tennessee never plays well. I don't know what it is about that place. And these are times that we played against just bad Georgia teams. I mean, these teams were not good that we played against. But somehow we managed to keep them in the game. I mean, Blue Kane, if I'd heard his name one more time yesterday, I was going to go insane. But that's just a place that we've never played well. And to see us be able to go down there, get two wins in the past three years, I mean, that's that's just great to me, the fact that we can go down there and get two wins. But at the same time, you got to look at the past ten years in which we didn't win there for, I think it was nine, ten, eleven years, because the last win we'd had before this last one we had was the Brian Williams tip-in. Yeah. And uh, we even – neither of us have mentioned, but Triple J and Santee, you're going to have to get something from them because it's looking real bad right now that we let Chris Ludlam go to St. John's over Triple J because it's, he's just not – I, I kind of – I we talked about this last year, but – it, it was time to get some fresh blood in the program. And with that, you should just let Triple J and possibly even Santee go. I mean, I don't even know. It, it's just bad basketball right now for them, too. And especially, I haven't even mentioned Jordan Ganey. Lord help him. He he's is, not. I no, mean, the thing not. is, like, his dad's a great coach. Now, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Justin Ganey is a good coach. Jordan Ganey is just not that good of a basketball player. It's, it's like his confidence went away because, I mean, that's been a common theme kind of with Rick Barnes guys. But when he got here, I mean, he was a lot more aggressive. I mean, dude, he iced the game for us. I know it was an exhibition game, but up there at Michigan State, he hit the two game or, or, or game-clutching free throws. So, And that was a tough environment in, to play in. Yeah, and in Maui. I mean, he, he didn't look great in Maui, but he looked a lot better than he did now. I mean, he was dunking the ball. He dunked on somebody from Syracuse in the middle of the game. I was like, whoa. Like, I didn't expect that. I didn't know it was like that. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the mindset that I had. I didn't know he was like that. But then all of a sudden, he just starts tailoring off, and then it was just a plummet from there. Yeah, and I I don't don't know if it's – I really can't explain it because I feel like having your dad there, somebody that you've grown up with, someone that's basically been your coach your whole life, that would help. That would help. And, you know, you could – obviously, he has access to a gym 24-7, so I'm not really sure – what the issue is it could just be I, I think it just has to be something between the ears but um you know that is a little upsetting because i figured we would need him and we do need him come march but we're gonna have to get that scoring from somebody else so and you know in regards to you know we had mentioned zakai ziegler i think you said he has played 112 minutes yeah in the past three games and for reference that's 120 minutes of game time in those three games, and he's played 112 of them. Do I worry about that? Absolutely. But something else that has to be taken into account, he's one of the only two guys that's getting you anything offensively right now. So you run the risk of completely getting yourself out of one of these games if you take him out of the game. So I get what we're doing there, but at the same time, somebody else has to step up. Like That's what's bothering me the most is the fact that nothing is being produced by anyone else other than Zakai Ziegler and Dalton Connect. 36, 36 points yesterday, man. 36 points from Dalton Connect. How many did he have at Mississippi State the other night? 28? 28. Okay. I mean, the thing is, like, he's at, over the past two games, he's averaging over 30 points a game. And he could very well continue on that trajectory. I just hope he doesn't peak right now. I want him to peak in March. You know how much joy it would bring my heart. To see him go for like 40 or 45 in the first round of the NCAA tournament, that would be phenomenal. Save, yeah, would be, save it for the Sweet 16, but I mean that would be awesome too. Yeah, let's uh, let's just get some Elite Eight, please. But um, no, like you said, I meant to bring that up earlier, but Zakai and Dalton Connect are your only dogs that you really have on this team. And when Zigo comes off the court, you know – we talked about it, or you just talked about it, but yesterday towards the end of the first half, we had the weirdest lineup I've ever seen, and then that's when Georgia got momentum going into the half. So you have to have one of the two on the floor at the same time, as it is right now for scoring, because 
if you take both of them out, you're dead in the water, like you said. Your best scoring option on the floor is Triple J, maybe. And that, that's where that's what I was talking about with Ganey. If you have Ganey, you have kind of have that third score, somebody you can rely on. But you cannot rely on him right now. And no. Earlier in the year, he looked like he could be that guy. But um, you're going to need something. Like you said, you need something to help you with your scoring and lighten the load on those two guys. Absolutely. I mean, and we just don't have that right now. You know, you, we're wondering why Freddie is not playing any more than what he is. And a part of me wants to trust Rick Barnes with that. But at the same time, it's like with a guy that's got that much hype. And, I mean, we had seen film on him. We know what he can do. But why is it not translating to the college level? And Davis, I was going to get your opinion on this because, you know, your traditional route before we had the OTE, before we had – the option to just go straight to the G League before people were just going overseas. It was you play college ball, you find out what you got, and then you go to the NBA. Do you think that the overtime elite is more of a hindrance than anything in this situation? Uh, yes and no, because like you have, you've had successful, I would say somewhat successful guys come out of the G League. You've had uh, Jonathan Kaminga, I think he's a good player. He's just in the wrong situation. Uh, Scoot Henderson's another one. He's the number two pick last year. So, like, you've had different guys come in and out. Uh, the Thompson twins, who are both in the league now. Like, you've had guys come in. Oh, but... the only reason they're getting hype, man, is because they're twins. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't really like overtime elite. I think it should be the way how it used to be. I think – it's kind of weird. It's just like how NIL is now. It's just a new element that you have to take into account as a college coach. And I don't know, man. It's just I, I, I prefer the traditional route of going to high school, playing all four years, not reclassifying, then going to college. And if you're as good as advertised and you're a first-round pick, you're one and done. Or, you know, you play your four years and you go, maybe you become a late a second rounder or a late first rounder or something. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of overtime elite, honestly. I'm not, I'm not either. Like, that's just, uh, that's something I wasn't behind when it started. I'm still not a fan of it. I'd much rather somebody honestly go the G league route than to try to do OTE. Because when you look at the G league, at least you're playing against grown men. I mean, you are playing against guys who have been dropped from the league down to the G League, and they're actually trying to compete for a roster spot. So, I mean, you're going to get fierce competition every single game when you play in the G League. You might not get that with Overtime Elite. You very well might not because when I look at the Overtime Elite, man, I look at some of these guys, and you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been around the game long enough. I've been around the game long enough to where you know that some of these guys, they just start feeling themselves. They think that they are him. They think that everything is just going to be given to them in life because somebody in their life has just gaslit them to think, oh, well, you're the next Michael Jordan, or you're the next LeBron James, you're the next Kobe Bryant, you're the next Kevin Durant. Somebody in their life has done that to them and made them think, it's like, okay, well, I don't have to work for this anymore. I'm here. This is just going to come to me. And that is not the case. We've experienced that time and time again to the point where I'm just, I'm sick of it. Perfect, perfect example for that, what you just described is Mikey Williams. Yes. He- He's had, what, like 20 million Instagram followers, Lamborghinis, uh, anything you think of. He's worth million, hit millions and millions of dollars just because of his how popular he was and all the profits he made off of that. And then he goes – he's about to come to Memphis, actually, and then he goes in a car and shoots at somebody, like basically like a drive-by in his car to another car. So he, he gets, quote-unquote, clear of the charges, but he's now going to UCF. So you go from being one of the best recruits in your class and slowly but surely, the more popular he got, the worse he got in basketball. He started falling off in the recruiting rankings. Then he gets in trouble off the court. And now he's going to UCF. And Memphis is not a bad program this year. No, they're not. But he wouldn't have played, I don't think, even on this team because they're loaded at guard. So, I mean, I just – he could – I think he could have – where he was a couple years ago, I think he could have went – 
to like a Duke or a Kansas or actual blue blood because he was high up in the recruiting rankings and he's fallen and fallen and fallen and now he's a UCF. I mean, well, what's the equivalent? I mean, let's just call them the the Jordan brothers. I mean, at that point, I mean that's uh that's what I, I think it was Marcus. Was it Marcus or Jeffrey that played at Illinois originally before transferring to UCF? Oh, uh, Marcus, I think. That's what I thought. I mean, it's just so maddening because you saw a lot of guys, especially when we were, you know, growing up, Davis, because you didn't have OTE. You didn't have the option to just go straight to the G League. It's like you had to be 19 years old before you could get drafted. So you had to go to college for at least one year. And then it really started the one-and-done cycle uh, with the John Wall class at Kentucky. That's what really just amped it up, kept it going. You know, kind of like, you know, in college football, the transfer loophole that uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli found from Oregon and eventually ends up going to Ole Miss. I think that was back in like 2007, 2008. But, you know, they find that loophole. Well, now everybody's exploiting the loophole to the point where it's like, okay, well, it's just easy. If I'm not happy here, I'm just going to go somewhere else. And we've seen that time and time again. Now, if you've got a talent that you know you can showcase on a bigger level, you know, like a Dalton Connect, you know, like we thought Isaiah Nayor was going to do from Wyoming. If you got talent and you're playing at a smaller school and you need that boost to get you in front of more scouts, to get you in front of more, you know, prospective teams, that's that's okay. I don't mind that at all. What I do not like, for example, someone at Tennessee who transfers here from another rival SEC school and then transfers to another rival SEC school just because he's lazy. Yep. And everybody that is following along with that should know exactly who I'm talking about. Dude's not a VFL. Much like Henry <laughs> Toto, he's not a VFL. Yeah, Gerald Mitzi, he's not a ball for life. Are you kidding no, me? No, not. No. Transferred here from Florida, a rival school, and then transfers to another rival school? That guy's not a VFL. Yeah. You're a Gator for now, you're a Vol for now, and now you're a Cat for now. Yes. You've been to three different SEC schools. I mean, think about that. And another thing, too, that nobody is bringing up, man, what about the education aspect of it? I know nobody cares about it. But if it's yeah. what it's intended for, going to college is to get an education. That's completely thrown out, and it's been thrown out since before I was even born. Yep. And I'm damn near 30. Like, that aspect of it has been thrown out so far into the ocean, it is unretrievable. It's not about that, and now it's not even about winning. And it's not even about the sport you're playing. It's all about money. That's all this is about. Yeah, and uh, I know we don't – I don't I don't like saving. I'm, I, that was the best news I've gotten in a long, long time, Wednesday when I heard he was retiring. So I'm just take that for what it is. But – I did listen to his interview with Reese Davis and he talked about the education part like you did. He said, well, a lot of these guys don't understand they get here. Every single one of them thinks they're going to the NFL. And I tell them the NFL stands for not for long. So you have to find something to have a life after football. Because like and same thing with basketball. You're not, not no no one's not everyone's going to the league. Even if, if you don't go to the league, you're going overseas and you're making maybe 100k if that oh marshall henderson got paid ten thousand dollars a month to play in the iraq basketball league yeah so like those like the you're not getting paid a ton to even go play over there so you have to find something you have to have a degree so you can go get have a good life after basketball but i mean it's just yeah nil and overtime elite like it's hard for someone that's why some of these coaches are retiring jay wright roy williams coach k we now see nick saban like it's hard. It's harder to be a coach now. A million times harder, and it's a lot harder to do your job when a kid's making two million dollars and he's like, "Why the hell should I listen to you? I've already made it." It makes everything a million times more difficult. And I think there has to be some kind of regulation here. We have to have some kind of guidelines because the way college is going right now, I do not like it. It's getting out of hand. And someone made a comment yesterday on Twitter, Davis, and they said this is ruining college sports. And I went as far as saying you could almost make the argument that it has ruined college sports. Not that it is ruining, but it already has ruined college sports. And, you know, granted, we've been the benefactor of some of the transfers. Yes, right now we're experiencing basketball with Dalton Connect. We experienced it last year in football with Brew McCoy. You know, Hendon Hooker. 
yes, we've experienced the benefits of it. We've also experienced the wrong side of it as well. When you had the Oklahoma Vols, when you had Henry, Henry Toa Toa going to Alabama, we've been on both sides of it. Every school at this point has been on both sides of it. I don't even know if you can make the argument for a positive for some of these group of five schools because they're the ones that are losing the talent. Yeah, they're not really, really getting can. much in return. No, and uh, I mean, so many schools like I've heard from, like um, like FAU, like you know, they went on the Final Four run. They beat us last year in the Sweet Sixteen, and they basically returned their whole team. And most a bunch of big schools went after them and tried to get their attention, obviously, but they stayed. But now it's getting to the point where they're like, okay, where's my money? Like, I need all, I need money all the time because y'all said y'all are going to take care of me, and it's just a never-ending cycle. So there's two sides of it, but, I mean, yeah, it's uh, something has to be done about it because the way it's doing now, it's uh, I don't think it's fun for anyone. So we'll get into it more on the other side. we got to hit our first break of the hour. Stay with us morning after here on Family Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com Get the best for your team delivered right and on time So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today It's time for the North Knox Siding and Windows High School Basketball Player of the Week Brought to you by North Knox Siding and Windows Call 865-689-0505 or visit them online at northknoxsidingandwindows.com This week's North Knox Siding and Windows High School Basketball Player of the Week is Halls High School's Jake Lane. Lane led Halls to a 63-53 win over Carter last Friday. The senior guard had 29 points and 6 steals to lead the Red Devils over the Hornets. Halls High School's Jake Lane, this week's North Knox Siding and Windows High School Basketball Player of the Week. North Knox Siding and Windows, locally owned and operated. They can handle all of your siding, window, gutter, and roofing needs. Call 865-689-0505 for a free estimate or go online at northknocksidingandwindows.com. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. Welcome back. Morning after here on Fam Run Radio. Presented by Dick's House of Sport. Davis Rangi alongside Jake Miller. And we got some massive, massive news this past week in college football. Nick Saban retires from Alabama. And Kalen DeBoer is set to be his replacement. And at the time, like I mentioned earlier, I was joyous. I, was, I remember 
that's one of those moments where you'll be 50 years from now and it's like where were you type of moment i was at the gym i was playing basketball and it was between games and i checked my phone I had no way my phone was blowing up with text everybody's like can you believe it this and that so uh i was super thrilled but with that being said i think they got one of the best coaches in the country to replace him and Kalen DeBoer and all the other guys that they're talking about with Dan Lang. I mean, DeBoer beat him twice this year, both underdogs, both times. Uh, Mike Norvell. I, I, I still don't care. I don't, I don't think he's that guy. He's still, he's an okay coach. I just don't think he's anything special. Uh, let's see Steve Sarkeesian. He's had one good year. So honestly, they've had, I think they probably got the best out of what, was out there and I was really interested to see what route they would have gone had he said no I'm staying put at Washington because I mean you saw it the pressure of that job is tremendous I mean I know he may be a good coach but he's no Nick Saban whoever comes in after that is not going to be live up to that hype he's not going to be as good he's not going to rattle off six national championships in 17 years that's just not going to happen and um, I think it is, isn't it? It's very interesting now because obviously Kalen DeBoer, he's from South Dakota. So is Josh Heupel. And they're both offensive guys. Mm-hmm. They both have great offensive schemes. And all year we heard about Washington's. Was, Washington was literally us from last year. This year they were us from last year. Yes. And now you're bringing in a guy like that to your rival, one of your biggest rivals. And it's going to be interesting to see because. I think he's a good coach, but I don't know necessarily that his – I know his he's a good coach, but his offensive style and the way they play, that's not Alabama. That's not what no. they're known for. And I don't necessarily think it'll be like a Brian Harson type of thing. I don't think he'll just go there and completely fall flat on his face. But right. I, I do think if or when he loses that game against Georgia and what, like the fourth game of the week or year or whatever that is next year. Uh, yes. The, the tone will change dramatically from what it is right now. Well, Davis, I mean, you know, we have the argument all the time about who's better, Michael or LeBron. And the argument always goes back to MJ. It always goes back to MJ. When you're talking about college football coaches from here on out, it's always going to go back to Nick Saban. That's the impact that he had on this sport. The guy won 87% of his games while at Alabama. Six national titles. One at LSU. Nobody is ever going to top that. I mean, this was essentially video game numbers as a college football coach. That is insane. That is utterly insane. Nobody's ever going to be able to top this. And Kalen DeBoer probably has the toughest job in America right now. You talk about Nick Saban in years past, it's like he's got the best job in college football. He's got maybe the easy, because at one point it just recruited itself, and the cycle just kept on and kept on and kept on like it was – almost automatic it's like if you're one of the best players in the country Alabama's on your list because you want to go play for Nick Saban you want to get to the NFL you know whether or not your name is uh, Mac Jones uh, John Parker Wilson Greg McElroy AJ McCarron you know Bo Scarborough Jerry Jude it doesn't matter who you were you wanted to go to Alabama because you knew that was your best chance to get to the NFL and now Kalen DeBoer comes in He has the hardest job in America because he has to live up to the expectations of the Alabama fans. He's got to live up to the expectations of that administration. Something's got to happen. He's going to have to win. And this is not like a Tennessee where you can afford to go 8-4 and after a good year. Because this year you could afford to go 8-4, and finished out 9-4, and yeah, good, whatever. But at the same time, you cannot do that at Alabama. You eight and four at Alabama, what happens, Davis? You get fired. You get fired. You go seven and five, you're done. You go six and six, that's a career killer. Think about that. What we would consider an okay season 
And we'd be mad about it here in Knoxville. We'd be upset about it. Wouldn't be happy at all. But you do it at Alabama, that's a career killer. Yep. And to think about the standard there, you either win the SEC or you go to the playoff. That's standard. And if you don't do that, it's a failure of a season to them. Even if you get 10 wins or 11 wins, like you said, it's a failure to them. So it's going to be a big challenge for them for sure. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens because it's like a cycle, like you said. I even brought this up when I was younger. I was watching Alabama. I was like – 10, 11 years old, I asked my mom, I was like, are they ever not going to be good? Because it's a never-ending cycle. They win all the games. They get the best players. The best players, they get all the best players. The best players win all the games. Like, it's a never-ending cycle. And now there's finally a break and where it might be, okay, this guy is coming into a situation he has no idea about. He's never he, – I, I would bet 100 bucks he's never been to Alabama in his entire life until yesterday. So – He's coming into all brand new, familiar, unfamiliar territory. He's got to recruit. He's got to keep all these guys on boat. He's got to coach to the standard that you're talking about. And I think it's going to be a lot for him. So we'll, we'll see. I give him over under on three years. What do you think? Over or under? Uh, I'm going to take the over slightly. I, oh, I'll do it better. Three and a half. Under. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I think I'm. I think I'm right there with you. I think I give. I think four years max is. I don't think they'll give him four years, but I think he will be pretty good because this first year, because it is still Saban's leftovers, and he's still. It's just such an odd situation. I mean, he's going to be around the team like he's like. Oh, he has 100 percent access. He's going to be. You just have Nick Saban just creeping down your throat the whole time and just looking at every move you make. Like, I just don't understand why you would leave Washington where you've he had a 25 and three record in two years. You're in a laid back situation where they're not really expecting anything of you. And you go to the national championship anyway, and you leave that to come all up the greatest college football coach of all time. I mean, it makes no sense, but you know what? Good luck to him. And uh, I think this game this year in Nalem might, end up being a shootout and something else to think about there is you know imagine if an a-list coach like a Dabo or a kirby or somebody else would have taken that job the domino effect that would have happened like if dan lanning were to take the job for example there are a lot of people out there that would go coach at oregon because you got every nike resource at your disposal right there in your backyard the domino effect that would have ensued would have been disastrous for a lot yeah. of teams because somebody at the end of the day would have ended up with a bad coach. Yeah. And I had a, I had a, somebody argue with me the other day that Lane Kiffin won't leave Ole Miss for Oregon because Ole Miss is a better job. Oh, stop. Are yep. you, are you kidding me? I about dropped my phone. Is this the same guy <laughs> that tried to tell me that Kermit Davis was not a good coach at MTSU? He said that uh, he got upset at your Oh, no, I said that MTSU was a better basketball job than Ole Miss, and it is. that it was at the time, yes. I mean, that's that's just a fact. You're better off having success at MTSU than you would be trying to go rebuild Ole Miss, and really you're just building from the ground up because there's nothing to rebuild there because Ole Miss is just a travesty in and of itself. But at the same time, you know, Lane Kiffin will leave Ole Miss. I don't know if it's going to be to Florida – I don't know if it's going to be to Miami. I don't know if it's going to be to Oregon. Lane Kiffin is not going to be at Ole Miss forever, and Ole Miss fans need to get that through their head. He's not going to be there forever. Matter of fact, if Alabama had came calling to him, he's taking that job. Why? Because he's got more resources at his disposal. He's got a better chance for success. Whether or not you're running a good program at Ole Miss or not, the fact of the matter is Ole Miss is still a B program. Even at the top of their game, they're still a B program throw them in that seed list but yeah i mean it's it's ridiculous the only reason they're the most they've become some of the most annoying annoying ass fans that there are out there Ole miss fans because they think lane kiffin is just a god amongst men and that he will never leave them never forsake them like dude he's never he's not been offered a job they think he'll never leave yeah they, they think, think he'll never, never leave 
they think he loves it there. He's just happy with living in Oxford City. Oh. The reason he's not left, he has not been offered a job. The only job that he maybe has been offered is Auburn. And Auburn, I can't necessarily say that Auburn last year, coming off Brian Harson was a better job than Ole Miss. It is now, but that's because Hugh Freeze is cleaning it up. But Lane Kiffin has not been offered a job that we've been talking about. If Have had, they forgot what happened here on that night in January? We're actually – Oh, he's yeah. a changed man, Jake. Oh, of course. Everybody's a changed man after they do something bad. He's a changed man. What does he do? Goes and does the same thing. Delonte West, he's a changed man. What's he doing now? Probably a cashier at Publix. A crackhead. Yeah. No. No. Lane Kiffin, if he gets offered the Florida job when it comes available, he's taking it. And I don't want him to take it. No. I don't want him to get offered the job is my point. I don't. I don't care where he goes. Don't. End up at Florida, please. I mean, I, I just, I'd rather him, honest to God, end up at like a – I'd rather him go back to USC or UCLA than to take yeah, the job go, at Florida. Yeah, go out to the West Coast. Washington, why don't you hit him up? West Coast guy uh, coming to the Big Ten. A lot of opportunity there coming off a national championship. Go take the job there. Get yeah. a new challenge. Yeah, there's more opportunity at Washington than what there is at Ole Miss, especially with him now going to the Big Ten. Yep. Same thing with Oregon. If you're you're anybody in their right mind thinks that Oregon knows that Oregon is a better job than Ole Miss, you have literally unlimited amount of money coming from Phil Knight, uh, best facilities in the country. I, there's no there's nothing holding you back from uh, winning at Oregon. So I mean that's one of the worst takes I've ever heard, man. Like that's worse than some of the stuff that Adam Hickman posted to Twitter. Ah <laughs> oh, man. That's just so dumb. That is one of the worst takes I've ever heard. Yeah, you you got some dumb people out there, and most of them live in Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. So. Goodness. Yeah, I mean that's what a fruitcake. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. But no, man, I uh, just to bring it all back full circle. I'm I'll be very interested. This has definitely got my attention and. I know it doesn't matter to any of us, but I'm really interested to see who takes that Washington job just out of curiosity because they said that the offensive coordinator, Jay Grubb or whatever his name is, he's out of it. So I'm wondering who they're going to bring in up there. It's just I know it has zero effect on us down here, but I just I would love to see who they uh, get. Just to have some more drama because why not? Why not? Everything's falling apart around us anyway. Might as well just add to it. Yeah. We'll uh we gotta hit our last break of the hour. We'll get into some uh Tennessee football recruiting talk on the other side. Stay with us morning after here on Fairmont Radio. At Knoxville Smiles, we're bringing the future of modern dental care to East Tennessee. Welcome back. Final segment of the morning after here on Family Room Radio. And so, Jake, we've uh, we've now seen Nico in a full start, and I can say that he looks like the truth. There's obviously some things that he needs to work on that he'll get better with, with experience that we were talking about that he could have used this whole year. No, we want to play Joe Milton, but it's okay. I'm over it, I guess. Um but yeah, he's uh, you can tell from one snap that he has it. So we're going to need, obviously, he's going to be a huge key factor next year, but it means nothing if we can't protect him. So right now we have, let's see, we're going to go down the line. Let's, do you just want to pencil in Zay Lance Hurd? Because I, I, I don't know what's going on with that. I've heard predictions for – Two weeks now, it feels like, and he hasn't committed. Uh, you know what's going on there? I mean, I, like, man, what, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I don't have a clue. Like, and that, and that's the thing. Is you, know, you never know what's going on with with whatever's inside of somebody's head or what is going on in Josh Heupel's head, what's going on wherever. I don't uh, – we really don't have any idea. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with him is nobody has a clue. That's just like, you know, the Walter Nolan situation. I mean, that guy – you never know what he's going to do. 
He, yeah. He's a cancer, though. I'm kind of glad we didn't uh, take him. But anyway, well, let's, let's just assume that he's coming. Um, so let's just say left tackle, Zay Lance Hurd. Left guard would be what? Spra- Spragans left or right guard? He'll be left. Yeah, so Spragans. Then you have Cooper Mays. Then your right guard would be – why am I blanking here? It wouldn't be Mincy because he's in the he's at Kentucky now. Yep. But Carrick, God, I hope not. It could be him. It could be uh, Sean Umarov. It could be Vison Lang. I'm good on all this. It's time to go get another guard out of the portal. God. And then at right tackle, you have John Campbell, hopefully. So. Yep. I mean, that's a pretty decent line besides right guard. You're going to have to figure something out because I don't trust def- – I do not want to see Dane Davis or Ollie Lane out there. So, God, <laughs> God help me if it's Ollie Lane. <laughs> Terry Fair said the same thing about Ollie Lane. We were sitting here talking about him. He almost dropped an FCC violation. He's like, Ollie Lane, what the <laughs> – he's like, I'm sorry. He's a good kid. He's just not, not what we need in the situation no. that we're in. Absolutely not. We need, I mean, uh, at all, he's a good kid. I mean, we're not disparaging the kid by any sense because of his character. It's nothing, it's nothing personal. No. I mean, and another guy that we haven't seen, really, and he was – I'm pretty sure he was a high four-star, was uh, Jackson Lampley. He's uh, a special teams special teams guy, one of the uh, fake injury guys after the extra point. That's his role. I mean, he, he plays that role very well. But – you know, people were uh, – I'm sure you saw it, but people were upset about – who did we lose out on that everybody was so upset about? Ellerby? I already forgot. Yes. Who? What was his name? Do you I, remember? I can't even remember, man. There's been so much that's happened since then. I can't wrap my oh, head around uh, I think it was name. Diego Pounds maybe? No. I, I don't know, but he went to Ole Miss. And then – oh, it was the guy that – uh the Kansas transfer that went to Texas A&M. I forgot his name, but um, he went to Texas A&M after coming off a visit here. And people are complaining about Ellerby. Look, like, I think that those complaints are warranted because I no doubt that he's a good X's and O's coach. Like, we've had the best – one of the best rushing offenses in the whole – whole country the past three years and it's like it's obvious that our offensive line play has been good every year that he's been here but we've not had a single guy that he's recruited that has started for us so far in these three years so that's a little worrying i mean he what like you can't close the deal i mean like you said jackson lampley is a big injury guy addison nichols he's gone and you're soft um who else uh carrick is, was ass, but he wasn't even a high school recruit. So, um, Umarov, we've not seen. Bison Lang, we don't know. So, I go Mo Clipper. He, <laughs> Mo Clipper never even saw the field. So, like, oh. we have, yeah, we have uh, a bunch of random. Like, it's just I don't know. That's a, that's a bit concerning to me, and I still can't believe we're sitting here talking on January the fourteenth, and William Martinez still has a job. <laughs> I told you, man, I really thought that Tim Banks would have made a great head coach at MTSU. Yeah, I think what happened? That, I thought, that, that, bro, that's a good hire. They should, uh, Derek Mason, he's a, a wash. He's a recycle. Do something new. Oh, my goodness. A spider just fell down right in front of my face. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Ah! Sorry, dude. There was a spider that crawled down like right in front of my face. Uh, I, I didn't hear what you, I heard something crawl. I was like, I thought it was a snake. I was like, yeah, man, that's a good reason to get out of there. Well, I turned the heat on in here because it was about 59 degrees. So, yeah, well, turn the heat on. They're probably Friday crawling out of the freezing. ventilation and everything that we've got going on in here. Oh, man, I'm so excited for the new studio coming up. <laughs> how, yeah, is it, uh, how is it in there? Is it, uh, uh, I'll talk to you offline. It's gonna be it's gonna be special. It's uh, it's gonna look really really nice. Yeah. So definitely doing some good things for a new management. And uh, I forgot. There's just so many things I wanted to get off earlier about the basketball team, but I forgot this one. But uh, when Rick Barnes went on the morning show and was talking about, they asked him 
about Zakai's minutes, and he goes, well, he doesn't want to come out. You're the coach. Take him out. Yeah. Like, I don't, that was probably the worst answer I've ever heard. That's something that, like, a peewee coach would say. Oh, well, he doesn't want to come out, so I guess I'll just keep him in. No, you pull him out. You're – I don't even know why this is a discussion. Like, if, if your coach tells you to get out, you get the hell out. Like, I just he don't want to end up in another situation like we did last year come March. You know, where – you have him playing way too much, and then we know what happens. Now, whether or not that was a contributing factor or not, one would have to believe that it might have been. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, if he's one of the only guys that's contributing, then you almost have to leave him on the floor. Like, that Like that's the, that was the case yesterday, and that was the case down at Mississippi State. It's like, well, he's playing a lot of minutes. But, I mean, you have to look at the fact that your offense is solely – getting production off of him and connect right now. And thank God we had those two. Otherwise, dude, we'd probably be probably sitting at about what? Ten wins, nine wins right now? Mm, yeah, definitely not. Uh, definitely not winning yesterday. Definitely not beating. I mean, we may have beaten Ole Miss, but I, we wouldn't have beat them by 30. So no. we're a completely different team with those two when they're in there and they're Cooking, because like you said, I uh, I kind of wince and cringe every time Zakai's Eagler like plants or makes a sharp cut, because I mean, dude, it still hasn't even been a year since he tore his ACL, and he's out here playing forty minutes a game. So, um, I mean, props credit, to him for the toughness, but yeah, we got to play it smart as well. Yeah, credit him and the medical staff. Um, I need whatever medical staff that works from Tennessee. Get your ass down to Memphis and fix the Grizzlies because we're down to eight rotation players. Everyone, we're just making up injuries at this point, but that's a whole nother story. Oh, what, but, a, what a disaster that is becoming or has become. Yeah. No, yeah, it's it's bad. But, no, man, I, I'm uh, I'm very excited for football season. I'm, I'm just kind of – I have all my focus on that because don't want to be that guy here, but we all kind of know it's coming in March. So I'm trying to not get my hopes up and baseball I'm looking forward to baseball, but baseball just doesn't move the needle for me. Like football does nothing moves the needle like that for me. No, uh, no. King football, like they say, and <clears throat> we have a good chance to go. Like I said, 10 to two, I think that gets you into the 12 team playoff next year. And then once you get in all bets are off, you just, you have to get in. That's number one. You have to like like in March Madness, survive and advance. You just have to get in. You just have to survive. I mean, you know, it could happen, man. I mean, this probably is Rick Barnes' best chance at making a Final Four. With Dalton Connect playing the way that he is, if he keeps playing like that, you're going to have a chance in March. Because I mean, he's literally put the team on his back the past two games. You know, yeah, he went dormant for a couple of games, uh, more than a couple. He went dormant for a few, but the same time if he keeps producing and being as effective as he has been over the past two games then it's going to be a really good really good ending to the conference season I think you know we start still are in play for sure for a SEC regular season championship and I'm to the point now I don't necessarily care about do I say this do I not yeah probably I don't necessarily care about winning the SEC tournament we've won it yeah, once in my life I don't either who cares I mean at what what does that really benefit you come March? Now that we know, according to Joe Lenardi, that Sunday games matter. don't matter. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's like if these games don't matter, then why should we put all the effort and time into preparing for it when you could just save that energy for March, yeah. for, for March Madness? Save it for yeah. the NCAA tournament. Go make that deep just, run. I'd rather have that yeah. than another conference tournament championship. Yeah, why don't we just show up in the first – we're obligated to go. Why don't we just show up the first game and just let the walk-ons play for 40 minutes, if that's the case. I mean, there's no point. Just let them rest up for uh, the first tournament games. And, I mean, you look at it – All I'm looking at it right now. North Carolina, every single loss you've had this year, like they're all the great teams. North Carolina at the time, you were ranked higher than them, but they're a damn good team. They're number seven in the country right now, and they just beat the crap out of Syracuse by – almost 40 yesterday so oh well think about this man think about this if you throw in like you've just mentioned the walk-ons to play in the sec tournament if you have a lineup let freddie bring it up right put dj jefferson at the two cameron carr at the three 
Cameron Carr. Cade Phillips at the four, J.P. Estrella at the five, and just let him run it. Hey, what does it hurt? Giving them some experience, developing them, and you let your uh, guys rest. And if you win, then you should feel very confident going forward. Yeah. I don't know why more if you're if you're automatically a lock for the tournament, then I don't see what stops you from doing that. I mean, people do it in football. Yeah, you'll see it this year too in college football. Once you're locked, basically locked into the 12 team playoffs, some teams might just sit all their guys, just like they do in the NFL. Yeah, so, that's what's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen. I mean, it's yeah, it's basically becoming. College football is basically becoming like a minor league system. That's what it is. But, That's what it is. And yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I'll be very interested to see what happens the rest of the way. Obviously, you got two big games coming up this week: Florida and Alabama, both at home. I think you can go. You should go two and zero in those. Um, and then after that, you get a whole week break until you play Vanderbilt next Saturday. So. Uh, this is a good opportunity to get some wins under your belt and then get a little bit of rest, get healthy before you hit the main stretch. Because then after that, you got you go to Kentucky pretty soon. Um, then you got to go to A and M. God, that week is tough. You got to go back to back games. You got to go to A and M and to Arkansas. I know both those teams aren't great. A and M did beat Kentucky last night, but those are both tough t- places to play. We haven't had a ton of success at either of those. So no. If you go on the road and the team is, you know, one of their primary colors is red, I don't like our chances. I don't know what it is about that. It's been that way ever since I've been alive. If the team is wearing red and you go on the road, it's going to be a tough task. Yep. And um, at one point we have Auburn at home on Wednesday night that we play at Alabama Saturday. So we have a, cu- a tough couple back-to-backs coming up, but I think you just got to get up there and – Secure, uh, I don't know. I think the goal is who care, who really cares about the SEC, like we said, but just try to get in that top three range because once you do that, you're kind of locked in for the tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's how you got to do it, man. Yep, and uh, the three best teams in the conference right now are us, Auburn, and Kentucky. So I think Bruce Pearl will probably make a deep run again this year in March, but that's uh, to be seen. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. So thank you, Jake. Thank you. And um, we'll talk to you next week right here on Farron Radio. Are you in need of a smile makeover? Hi, I'm Dr.